0: I'm going to take you on a brief pictorial tour and then we'll look at statistics on a different type of tour. And uh, first of all, uh, let's simply uh, state what I think to be a fact, which is uh, that in the human line of descent, as this relatively recent cave art shows, uh, we have been prone to fighting Uh, in this case with bows and arrows, but earlier with other tools or weapons. Uh, This is simply a graphic uh, representation of what you saw before, a little bit easier to look at. The subject matter does not date back into the Pleistocene epoch, which was when humans were not depicting their own conflicts, but mainly animals. Uh, But because the animals were often dangerous, this was another form of conflict with similar use of weapons. Uh, This shows that uh, hunting large game was conflictual as opposed to simply going out and killing the poor animals with an incredibly effective weapon. Here we have a buffalo of sorts. A spear has uh, caused its entrails to protrude so it's on the way to death. And the human hunter, uh, assuming it's human, it sort of looks like it has a bird's head. We can't really tell you what that means. Uh, but the humans lying down on the ground and looking reasonably prostrate, prostate. This is a spear that dates back to about 300,000 years ago. It was preserved in anaerobic soil. It may have been uh, uh, discovered in pr- proximity to horses that uh, carried butchering marks, but at any rate, these javelins were extremely uh, well-fashioned, aerodynamic, well-balanced. So humans have been using extremely effective, lethal weapons at long range for a long time. And the longer the range, of course, the more prone you are to fight, because the risks are less. Uh, This is a rare picture of a human, uh, Mesolithic rather than earlier. And this person lying on the ground has been what we call pin-cushioned, which means quite a few people shot arrows at the same person way beyond what was necessary to kill him. At uh, the Remigia Cave in Spain, uh, there is a similar scene which shows the uh, poor guy lying on the ground with 10 arrows in him, and there are 10 archers who are holding their bows above their heads in a way that I would uh, venture to interpret as looking exultant, uh, or at least happy with the outcome. And my guess uh, would be that this is an execution, not a warfare act, and uh, according to my data, the main reason for capital punishment among today's foragers is that somebody acts the bully, is too aggressive, tries to boss others around because they basically, all hunter-gathers of this type, live in egalitarian societies. They don't tolerate uh, dominance among males within the group. Uh, The database we'll meet with shortly shows that uh, almost half of the capital punishment uh, episodes involve uh, anti-bullying measures. Uh, Other things that can get you in trouble are committing incest. Uh, You could perhaps endanger the whole group by breaking a supernatural sanction or uh, you could uh, basically get in trouble for thievery or cheating. Uh, Here we have Australian Aborigines armed with spears, well-armed people. Only in Australia did hunter-gatherers fail to invent the bow, but they did invent boomerangs, which gave them a rather effective weapon for long-distance combat. And of course, hunter-gatherers go around armed everywhere. So if a conflict arises between people, they're quite well prepared to kill one another. This would be the males and it makes human male aggression particularly dangerous. I've just thrown this in because it's uh, such an unusual picture. It actually shows hunter-gatherers involved in a conflict. In this case, uh, the men are quarreling over someone's disobedience to indigenous law and nobody's actually getting hurt, but it's a rare picture, and it, it does show that it's the males who are uh, talking things over in a heated terms. And this is an artist's rendition of Australian Aboriginal uh, fighting, presumably between groups. Note the spears and boomerangs, which are also used in hunting, uh, which returns us to that theme that hunting weapons make human uh, aggression particularly lethal. However, they're also using shields, and they are uh, an artifact that is di- designed just for interhuman combat. Also note that the woman and child are cowering in the hut. This is strictly a male affair, and it tends to be strictly a male. The females may be victims, but they're uh, not likely to be involved in the fighting. There are no actual photographs of hunter-gatherer warfare, but these same people in Australia often go to war with neighboring groups. And Australian rock art shows intergroup conflict going back for 10,000 years, although it intensifies around 6,000 years ago. Uh, We're now going to make a rather abrupt transition from pretty pictures to a bunch of statistics. Uh, Paleolithic archaeology provides only a few hints about the expression of male violence if we want to go back far beyond the Holocene into the Pleistocene. However, uh, there is another avenue which I'm exploring which would be to use contemporary hunter-gatherers as prehistoric exemplars for the late Pleistocene. The problem is taking care to choose the right hunter-gatherers. And this can take us back to about 100,000 years ago or whenever it was uh, still debated when humans became culturally as well as anatomically modern. So which hunter-gatherers today are the best models for what was happening much earlier? Uh, There are about 400 hunting societies that have been studied ethnographically. Of these, approximately half I can qualify as exemplars for the anatomically and culturally modern humans who emerged somewhere around 100,000 years ago. Uh, These late Pleistocene-appropriate societies, as I call them, live independently of domestication. They're not heavily involved with modern economies or polities, and they may number as high as 200 out of the 400 total that anthropologists have written field reports about. Over the past decade and a half at USC, I've been developing a specialized database which is dedicated to reconstructing behaviors of culturally modern human hunter-gatherers in the late Pleistocene. There are about a total of maybe 180 to 200 foraging societies that are appropriate, and there are somewhere between one and maybe a dozen field reports for each of these societies, so it's been quite a huge effort to get uh, this information into shape where uh, people can uh, easily uh, retrieve data and look for patterns. Uh, My project focuses partly because of my own interests on socio-political behavior, also partly because there's so much interest in uh, socio-political behavior, themes like warfare, altruism, and so forth. And what we do is apply a standard, detailed coding protocol to each field report so the information will be readily available. And I'm throwing this table at you just to show how much data there is, Uh, the data analysis here is uh, preliminary, in other words, I'm just looking at some very gross trends, because that's as far as I've gotten in analyzing the data on conflict. And basically what the data show are, or is, how many times a given coded behavior is mentioned in field reports for each culture area where foragers have lived over the past several centuries. For instance, if you look at the main headings, feuding, raiding, and warfare are found in all world areas among certain hunter gatherers, even though these behaviors are not necessarily universal or even widespread within a given culture area. So that's why I say that this is a crude uh, preliminary analysis. Uh, one of the things that drives intergroup conflict, although there's plenty of conflict within groups among hunter gatherers, but intergroup conflict is ethnocentrism. Uh, This is a cultural universal. Most ethnographies report that hunter-gatherers call themselves the people. We are the people. Other people are mm, not quite people. And uh, it's a rather nasty aspect of being a human. Uh, We all experience it in some form or other, I'm sure, Uh, although we may not want to admit it to ourselves even. And uh, here we see that uh, North America fails to report it, but I think that's a vagary of my database uh, since I have had a really hard time getting a large number of uh, cultures that represent North America simply because uh, most of them uh, m- got mounted uh, for hunting as with the Plains Indians or the you know, Northwest Coast they had protracted uh, sedentarism and social classes developed and so forth and so on. So. Uh, we have a, a, what amounts to a gap here, I think, due to ethnographic reporting rather than to a lack of ethnocentrism, since I think everyone agrees that all humans have, have a potential for ethnocentrism that tends to be brought out when they live in adjacent groups. Uh, here is uh, something I've always been very interested in, which is feuding. Within groups, all male foragers are pr- prone to take blood revenge for the death of a kinsman. This is pretty much a uh, given fact. And it also applies uh, to between group uh, conflicts where someone gets killed. And this doesn't, it doesn't really matter whether the other group is similar culturally to one's own or it's uh, culturally different. But retaliatory killing seems to be very deep in human uh, nature, as it were. And chimpanzees retaliate as individuals but not as groups. So this is, humans have taken it to a new level. Sometimes a single killing ends the conflict, but sometimes a chain of killings results. Thus feuding can become involved with raiding and even warfare, which we'll now talk about. With respect to raiding, another widespread pattern of male violence uh, involves sneaky little attacks where you try to go in and do some damage and get out without getting hurt. Uh, You keep the imbalance of power, not through numbers but through surprise. And uh, the object is to use surprises to very quickly do damage and then retreat without incurring any casualties at all. A raid is a major failure if anybody gets killed. Raids may have revenge motives or they may be to take away natural resources, women or trophies from enemies. And as you can see, among our uh, sample of 58 cultures, that's how many I've now processed, uh, with geographic distribution as possible because some areas uh, have very few cultures, some have a lot. We see that uh, rating is widespread, uh, that rating for trophies seems to be uh, very widespread, rating for women seems to be universal among hunter gatherers and that revenge motives often get involved with raiding. So a raiding can be simply to go get even or it can be to get stuff, as it were. Uh, Now we come to warfare. War is a loaded topic for people that are interested in or not interested in evolution, respectively. And the question of prehistoric warfare engenders all kinds of philosophical debate, but here we're just here to look at the facts. and that perhaps uh, is a deceptive statement since I obviously have an opinion about warfare. I happen to think it goes back fairly far into prehistory, but not universally necessarily. In coding for warfare, I have defined any conflict between groups that rises above the level of feuding or raiding as warfare, which gets me nicely out of the problem of defining warfare, uh, which is a complex problem indeed. Genocidally motivated surprise attacks appear uh, at least once in five of the six culture areas. So serious warfare is widespread, if far from being universal among human foragers today. When I say far from being universal, I mean that although it may be represented uh, in five and probably six of the culture areas, just uh, due to, again, my problem with the vagaries of ethnographic reporting, uh, it's, may be universal, but it doesn't mean that everybody does it. It means if you go to any culture area in the world, some hunter-gatherers had something that escalated above feuding and raiding, and which I'm calling warfare. Uh, If we consider the possibilities for this pattern as of 100,000 years ago, we must also consider the fact that climates then were far less stable. Indeed, Pleistocene junctures involving serious natural resource scarcity would have been quite frequent and often hunter-gatherers would have been seriously marginalized by other hunter-gatherers, presumably with cooperation and fighting, competing as possible adaptive strategies to cope with that. So people don't always fight. Sometimes they cooperate with neighbors, but they also seem to fight on every continent, at least a few of them do. Um, Here's another uh, interesting fact about, uh, in looking at these gross patterns, There are customs by which humans reduce the casualties in conflict, uh, sort of like rules of the game. Uh, They actually line up sometimes, uh, there's actually ethnographic film on this in New Guinea, which of course is uh, Holocene people, but Pleistocene people may well have done it since contemporary hunter-gatherers do it uh, in quite a few places, although not everywhere but everybody lines up, uh, shouts imprecations and taunts and threats, and stay out of range, uh, effective range, and only a few of them get killed. Uh, There's also the possibility that two individuals will fight representing their respective groups. Uh, If we're interested in male aggression, uh, we're also interested in conflict resolution between groups. And, Along with the propensity for male violence comes a tendency to manage conflicts or pacify them, probably just as deep a tendency in human nature. Foraging groups that fight also negotiate their problems directly or with the help of third parties. They also create truces which may lead to formal peace meetings, sometimes with payment of compensation or a prisoner exchange. All of these patterns are seen in the agricultural tribal people who followed, and their warfare rates would appear to be much higher, but hunter-gatherers apparently invented this. Uh, Finally, war outcomes, what happens when you fight? Uh, The consequences of small-scale warfare are various. A conflict may continue indefinitely, particularly if it's feeding off of revenge motives. But it also may just fade away on its own, or else one group may prudently move away. The tangible outcomes include both casualties and taking away the enemy's natural resources. If we look just at contemporary hunter-gatherers, the males invariably fight within their groups, and my data show that female aggression becomes lethal quite seldom. These foragers also fight between groups, which is what we've been speaking about, and warfare raiding and feuding are found all over the world, even though many foraging societies lack one or more of these patterns. I have emphasized the link between hunting and fighting with our own species, and it probably is no accident that only a few of today's foraging societies have female hunters and that males account for almost all the serious violence. There's a great deal more to be learned from this developing database and I hope to share it with you in the future. And I will talk just a minute about uh, future use of the database. Uh, To date, the database has been used for uh, publications in subjects like the indigenous promotion of altruistic behavior, supernatural sanctioning that becomes moral, capital punishment, and various types of moral deviance. And this presentation starts a new focus on male aggression as yet another important thing to understand about our immediate ancestors and the genetic nature and cultural habits they've handed down to us. Thank you.